being content with where you are and, and, ex and being happy and optimistic about the progress that you're making in your training goals and in your training you know knowledge and skill set and all that is is critical I think for being for enjoying the process Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Willing Equine Podcast. I'll be recording this episode in my car, so the audio may not be super clear, and sometimes I have my kids with me, so if you hear a little bit from them, I apologize, but hopefully you can still enjoy the podcast. I'd love to hear from you after you listen to the podcast, so feel free to comment on any of my social media platforms or email me or even send me an anchor voice message. Hello, hello again. Uh, today in this episode, I want to talk about perfectionism and being perfect and having perfect training sessions and our horses being perfect and progress being perfect and any other way you can think of perfection being applied into our horsemanship lives and what we do with our horses. So for those who don't know me very well or haven't been following me for a long time, uh, I am a perfectionist at heart. I like things to look right, feel right, be right, be perfect, be to the maximum capacity that I can make them happen. I'm a kind of an all or nothing kind of person. I want it to be above and beyond. Everything needs to go to its maximum level and I can't settle for halfway. <laughs> this applies to a lot of areas of my life, um, probably most all of them. My house, I like it to be perfectly clean and perfectly organized all the time. Um, for my barn, I want it to be, you know, perfectly arranged and to have it perfectly set up for horses and um, to be perfectly managed and perfectly clean and um, just like all these man I've recently realized that I say and um a lot so I'm gonna try not to do that but now that I've said that you guys will probably start recognizing it but I really enjoy things being perfect I enjoy when they are as they're supposed to be in my mind and that they look good, feel good, uh, if, as far as feels like it feels right to me, uh, that they just work great, that they perform well, whether it's my horses, my cars, my house, my, my courses that I make, my articles that I write, like I just want it to be maxed out. So this is something that has helped me tremendously in my life and has brought great value to the things that I've done, the things I've created. It has this drive, this intensity that I have is a blessing. So I'm not going to poo-poo on it. Um, it is, and it has allowed me to be very successful in certain areas of my life. Um, and it has really it's really pushed me to not settle, to keep going, to uh, to pursue life to its fullest in a sense. And it has created a lot of opportunities in my life. 
However, it has also created some problems in that sometimes I won't start a project if I can't finish it all the way to its perfection level. Sometimes it paralyzes me because if I can't do it to its maximum, if I can't make it perfect, if I can't train it to perfection, if I can't um, make it look organized perfectly or, or be organized perfectly or decorated to its fullest or written to the fullest extent or include all of the information that is necessary in this blog article. Uh, and just a little side note, this is one of the reasons that I write such long format is because I want to make sure that the information is provided to people perfectly, that there are the um, there's all the science references, that it, the concept is perfectly transferred, uh, that, that nothing is ever slightly misunderstood or halfway misunderstood. It has to be to its fullest. So, um, and it, ha so it, it has paralyzed me in some areas and it's also caused a lot of stress in some cases because I can't stop. I can't call it a day. I can't leave it alone if it's not to its maximum level. And this happens in my everyday life, but it also happens in my horsemanship work and my, in my training and in the way I work with my horses and, um, in some unusual ways too, because I think it'd be easy to understand how this concept applies to the training, but it also applies to the way I keep my horses and the way that I take care of them. It's very challenging for me that I can't spend hours every day working on their training, each of them, because there's 10 of them with me right now. And I just, there's, I'm only one person and I have three kids and a full-time job and all that. Um, I only have six of my own horses, but you get what I mean? There's, there's 10 with me in training and I have to prioritize a lot of that time to my clients' horses. So it can frustrate me that I'm not able to spend hours a day working on my horse's own training. So then the training looks like it's only halfway done when, especially if I'm going to show it to somebody when I have clinics or, uh, interns come or whatever, and my horses can, you know, it's something I've been trying to work on for a while, you know, maybe a certain behavior like a leg yield or something. Well, I've only gotten to work on it like four times over the last two, like year, right? That's super frustrating to me because I'm like, this should be much further along by now. And it's only halfway done. And I don't know how to, you know, I just frustrating. It's, it's disappointing and it's frustrating to me. And that can be, um, problematic in the training area, but it also shows up in care areas. So I, a lot of my time and focus is on training. That's what I'm paid to do. That's my passion and my love, but I also have a, a really big heart and passion for, um, the rest of the care of my horses and holistically caring for them and integrating all of that into taking care of them. So things like, massage work, acupuncture, putting on their back on track sheets or whatever other therapeutic piece of equipment I've been using. Uh, there's doing Masterson method work. I I've dabbled in that some I've, you know, their barefoot trimming their, um, their balance mat work, their, their, uh, proprioception type bands that I put on them to bring awareness to their bodies, their fitness and exercise, not just their mental training for husbandry behaviors and all that. Sometimes it can be very frustrating 
and disappointing and kind of gets me down when I can't equally and to maximum level do all of those things. I would have to probably only have one horse to be able to do all of those things. And even then, I don't think I'd be satisfied. Uh, but, well, okay, so then there's other areas, too, as far as... Uh, you know, when I'm training other people, when I'm training students, when I am per- creating courses, things like that, like I mentioned, it's, it's hard for me to allow things to be partially done or I feel like they're partially done. And what's interesting though, is that when I talk to other people, they feel like I go above and beyond or I've maxed it out or I've gone beyond normal or what's expected, right? So for me, I'm specifically talking about my interpretation of what's happening, not so much what's actually happening. And that's where I want to go with this. When we think about what perfection is, when I think about to myself what it looks like for this individual thing to be perfect to me. What taking care of my horses would look like if it was perfect. What this training would look like, this particular behavior would look like if it was perfect. If my way I had my pastures and the way I had arranged my facility, what it would look like to me if it was perfect. That I could list it out. I could tell you. I could tell you what perfect looks like to me in those different areas in for right now. But something that really started to sink in recently was that that changes. Like what I think of as perfect today is different than what is perfect tomorrow or in two weeks or in six months or in two years. So if I just even go back to, um, like, let's say last year or yeah, last year, let's say, let's say last year, the end of summer last year, I had an idea in my head of what a perfect training loop would look like with a start button and all of that. And, and for you guys that don't know what that is, that's when you give the horse an opportunity or not give the horse, where you create an intentional space in the training loop from when they receive the reinforcement to when they receive the reinforcement again. So there's a, a loop that happens during that process, during that time, each time between the click and reinforcement, there's a, there's a loop of cueing and behaviors and all that. When there's an intentional section before you give the cue, or it is part of the cue, where the horse does a behavior that communicates to you that you can now do this thing to them or with them or whatever. So it could be like they touch the fly spray bottle and that means that you can now spritz the fly spray. So it's a, it's a way that the horse can be, can communicate to us that they're ready for the next rep. Okay. And that was just like the super, super brief, you know, (laughs) uh, dissertation on it, but it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Anyway, so when I thought like last year what that would look like, what perfect looked like if I trained my horses to have a perfect start button and training loop and all of that, now I I look back and look at them like, no, that was just, I had a very basic understanding of them 
and or not even basic but I, I had a different understanding of them and now my understanding of start buttons and training loops and all that is has changed and it's not like it's completely changed I'm not like it's still there I still firmly like I still operate with that and work with it but I it's add there's an added level of complexity so my new understanding of what perfect would look like uh, it's different obviously than it was six months ago or even a year ago and then we could think of things like what I used to think a perfect hoof looked like when when my farrier finished working on my horses and it was perfectly done and all of that. I used to think, okay, I'm, I've perfectly taken care of my horse's feet. I'm satisfied with that. And they got trimmed every six weeks and whatever. Okay, fast forward now. What is it? It's been like five or six years or something like that. Um, or no, it's been less than that. It's been like four years. Anyway. What a perfect hoof looks like to me is so different from what I thought a perfect hoof looked like back then. So my idea of perfection has changed. And that's kind of what I'm trying to drive home is, is that the idea of perfection is changing within us internally with what, with our knowledge, what we know at the time. Um, it's also out influenced by outside sources. So what our influences are at the time, all of that. And then everybody has a different idea of what perfection is. So perfection is an illusion. It's um, subjective. It never is the same for every single person. And it's never the same for you every single day. So by chasing perfection, I'm chasing this illusion. I'm chasing this false idea, this thing that I actually can't ever be achieved. It will never be achievable. And this other thing that I started to realize was that even if I, you know, like, cause I go back and I watch training sessions in, cause I record a ton of my training sessions. I go back and watch ones that I thought were perfect at the time. Like I was so happy with them. I was so happy. I was just elated. They were fantastic training sessions. And I look at them now and I see all of the, the, the errors. I see all of the things that weren't perfect. It's okay. I was still happy with it. I'm still happy with myself for being happy with that training session, but they are no longer that perfect training session that I thought they were. Fast forward two days, fast forward three weeks, fast forward a year. I mean, even just in that amount of time, they, it changes. And so again, it's this illusion. It's this false, uh, not, not false. It's this goal that can't be reached. We're just a hamster on a, on a wheel, right? We're just chasing after this thing that cannot actually be found and is subjective. And what's perfect right now is not going to be perfect tomorrow. And it's not going to be perfect to your friend and it's not going to be perfect to your dad. And it's, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's this, cycle that we put ourselves on. It's this endless treadmill that we put ourselves on and we burn ourselves out trying to find it when it's not findable. Uh, and I think that can be really, really, really hard to wrap our heads around and also to accept. And by, well, so by accepting it though, when we can accept that, when we can understand it and kind of really wrap our heads around it and when we can understand that we're not actually chasing perfection. When we're, we're not actually chasing or trying to achieve perfection, we're trying to achieve progress. We're trying, we are chasing progress. We are working towards progress. We are working towards 
evolving and changing and improving day by day by day are our perfect and our best today may not be our perfect and our best tomorrow and that honestly I'm just gonna throw it out there that honestly may look like a um, what may from the outside look like a little bit of a loss of perfection or a loss of progress uh, in some senses so we may actually have to intentionally reduce our criteria for ourselves so training speak here reduce our criteria for ourselves reduce the the expectations of ourselves in some areas to progress and make improvements in our lives or in just certain areas um, in other areas so we may have to actually say okay I'm going to intentionally reduce the expectations of let's say our training goals so we are going to intentionally reduce our training goals we're going to reduce that criteria for ourselves that we spend X amount of time training and we reach these X training goals so that we can focus on prioritizing our horse's physical well-being so instead of spending an hour working on training every week we're gonna spend an hour working on learning how to massage them every week so that might from somebody else from the outside looking in that might look like you are um, standing still as far as your training progress or even have relapsed a little bit maybe your horse loses some of their progress in teaching things like targeting or whatever or trotting or riding under saddle but to somebody else because again this is subjective and it's from your point of view you have to see it through certain lenses for somebody else they may see you're actually making progress and you're reaching a goal of a different goal of perfection a different perfectionist goal of establishing your horse's comfort level in their muscles and in their body and in their health and all of that so it also has to do with certain areas and how we can and how we view and look at the picture in front of us how we view and look at our overall goals and where we're prioritizing our focus where we are focusing our attention and where we're putting that effort and energy so we can also say that that um, yeah I don't know so it's just that the progress and, and this may be a shorter episode but I, I felt like this was really important to talk about because I think it'll take pressure off of a lot of people I know it's taken a ton of pressure off of me I mean I, I am still <laughs> I am still a on all or nothing person. I still go home, but go big or go home. But I can be content, and I can be happy with my efforts now. I used to struggle with being happy with and content and satisfied with the effort that I put forth because it wasn't perfection. It wasn't the best I could, you know. It wasn't my my idea of what it should look like. But with this different mindset of it should be progress, it should be taking the next step, but not necessarily perfect, I'm able to look at my work and my training and my uh, just my everyday life, the way I interact with my kids, the way I produce content, the way I um, speak to the person at the gas station, the way I interact with my husband, the way I treat myself and the way I take care of myself, um, the way I care for my dogs and my horses, 
and engage with my family members and all of that, I'm able to look at each of those things through the lens of progress versus the lens of whether it's perfect or not. And I think this has allowed me to feel a lot happier in my life and in my efforts. And I'm able to be really happy with progress and with steps that I'm making. So a real example or a recent one is um, that I've been putting out my first course and, you know, at the time of this podcast episode, it, it filled up and I'm super excited about that. And there's a, if you're interested in finding out more about it, you, you can go to uh, com forward slash foundation, and you can jump on the waiting list for the next one, which will open in August. Anyway, so when I was producing this course and I, it's self-produced, I made it myself. Um, and it's real time as far as I recorded everything step by step by step, which means it includes my mistakes, which means it includes my uh, not so perfect training days and my not so perfect uh, um, choices about where to set my camera. And maybe, you know, the video isn't, you know, the brightest or maybe it's I don't know, like there, there are some things and, and for other people that are watching, I mean, they haven't had a problem with it at all, but for me being a perfectionist, uh, I, you know, I'd go back and watch the training footage and I'd be super annoyed with myself because I leaned into my horse and I didn't mean to, or I didn't set the horse up for success as much as I wanted to, or I set the camera a little too far away. So it's not as crisp and clear as I wanted it to be. And these are real time things. These are real issues that I dealt with, with creating the course. And if I wanted to drive that perfectionist train home and if I needed it to be perfect, that stuff would have me super disappointed about, you know, putting up the course. And that would have prevented me from even putting it up actually altogether. Um, but I was able to really embrace the fact that I've made a ton of progress in my business and in my training and, you know, also besides the benefit that I think that it's, it's, um, I think people, at least I know I do. And I think there's a lot of people out there that really enjoy authentic content and authentic real time training. They want to see the mistakes and how we fix them. They want to see what it looks like every single day when you're out there working, you know, there's, you know, I'm out there training in the rain. Sometimes I'm out there training, you know, when the horse is having a bad day or I'm having a bad day. And so I think that there is a tremendous benefit from showing things that don't look perfect to myself or to the people outside that I think at least, I think it won't look perfect to them, the people who are viewing the, my content and all that. So there's benefit there. And I think a lot of people will appreciate that. And, uh, the people who don't, well, I'm sorry, it's just not what I'm offering right now. So I've been able to really be okay and not even just okay, but like really excited to see what happens with this next step that I've taken, this step of progress. Sure, it's not perfect. Sure, I would have loved to, you know, hire a f fancy videographer and like all of that and have it be like super shiny and beautiful and only to show the best training and, and to make it glittery and like 
this is how it looks when it's flawless and perfect and I'm the best trainer in the world, right? Who wouldn't love it to look like that? I would love it to look like that, I know I would. But also, I'm really happy with this next step. I'm super happy with this next step for me, for TWE, for for my students, um, because they're also going to be taking the course and and, and, to, and to get to know other people who are interested in learning from me and the type of training that I do. So this is progress for me. This is progress, and I know that in a year or two years or whenever, whatever time, I will watch the content in my course, and I'll realize that it's probably time for me to do a new one because I've changed some stuff, and I'll, I'll re-record, and maybe that time I'll have a fancy videographer. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but that's the next step of progress. That doesn't mean that what I've done right now is any less valuable. It doesn't mean that what I'm doing right now is any less perfect or less progress for where I'm at right now. It is, I guess you could look at it as it's perfect for me right now. It's perfect for where I am right now. Not it's perfect by the world standards or it's perfect by where I want to be in the future. So, um, and then for, for everybody in their everyday training, I think we absolutely, I know we can apply this. Uh, I think we have to be careful with, I think there's a little bit of a fine line as far as, well, okay, let's put it this way. Broad picture, being content with where you are in, in, and being happy and optimistic about the progress that you're making in your training goals and in your training you know, knowledge and skill set and all that is, is critical, I think, for being, for enjoying the process, for enjoying your time with your horse, for enjoying the learning experience, especially for a lot of people who are having to go back in and relearn a lot as they focus on, you know, training with positive reinforcement and kind of ditch some old habits or some old way of training things. But the the we have to be careful though taking this concept into when it's time to make make the next step in adding criteria um, when it's time to add the next approximation in building or shaping a behavior I do think we should have a very clear idea a very clear visual, mental, like understanding of what that first step should look like before we add criteria. And so I don't want you to get into the habit of going, Oh, it's good enough. Let's just add on. That's not exactly what I'm trying to say. I'm trying, I'm trying to talk about more about broad picture, about concepts, about how we think about what's happening and what we are doing in our training overall versus the individual day-to-day shaping plans and adding criteria and all that. We have to be careful, you know, kind of winging it and being sloppy about it and just saying it's good enough and keep going because we can frustrate our horse or we can accidentally create behaviors we're not looking for or we may get frustrated with what we eventually develop because it doesn't look good enough right now. But I also think that we can I think we can apply it somewhat because I, I do know quite a few people and I can be this way myself, but I'm not, this is not my particular area that I struggle in. I struggle in the other one where it's like, 
I'm like, oh, it's good enough, and I move on, which is really funny considering my personality type. But I I do know in some cases, for some people, they do struggle with getting stuck at a certain level, certain criteria, piece of criteria, certain approximation, because it doesn't ever seem fully perfect, and so they never move on, and so they can kind of drill something to death and um, in, and sometimes get stuck trying to, like, kind of bang it into their horse's head when the horse just isn't getting it. So if something isn't working, just to throw this in there, if something isn't working and, and getting really solidly established within, like, three to five reps, if it doesn't look like it's supposed to look, that approximation, it doesn't look like what you're wanting within three to five um, reps or maybe maybe a few more, but change something change something that you're doing, change what you're expecting of your horse, change the, you know, slice it down, get it thinner, look for a smaller approximation, change the training environment, change the expectations, change how you're asking, change how you're shaping it, whatever it is, within a few minutes, if they're not getting it, change it. Um, And then once they do start getting it, ask, you know, build it up three to five reps, maybe a little bit more, a little bit longer, and then add a little, a thin slice of criteria on top of it. Uh, and that's how I kind of progress. That's how I, I know when to make that next step, when to keep going. So, and that keeps everybody from getting bored and um, everybody from getting frustrated that we're just never making progress. Because that's part of it. Is you do need to make progress or you will get, you and your horse will get frustrated and, and start wondering, like, when's this going to make progress? Um, so, to kind of recap progress, not perfection. (laughs) Have a mindset of progress. Is what you're doing right now making progress? Yes? Then great. Be happy with that. Be content. Be satisfied. Be, um, be, be, uh, be confident in that and in yeah, I don't know. Like, that's it. Like, and I, it's hard. I know. Cause you're just like, okay, so how do I be content? How do I be happy? Uh, how do I be confident in that? Um, I think the best way that's helped me to reach that point was to r- recognize what it was that was driving that perfectionism, what it was that was making me feel like it was never enough was it really something that was internal? Was it coming from external pressures? So was it because I was trying to make other people like me? Was it because I didn't feel like they thought I was good enough? Was I trying to fit in? Was I trying to uh, make other people, you know, just think that I was worth their time or effort or money even? Um, was it from a, and maybe it's not even something current, maybe it's something in your past, maybe you felt like you couldn't be enough for your parents, maybe you felt like um, you, you know, you had this thing that you did a long time ago that was like a really big mistake or something and, and you're trying to kind of make up for it or um, maybe there's a lot of guilt or shame there. And so if you can really, you know, narrow down on what those sources are, where that pressure is coming from to make you feel like you need to be perfect. I think that can help a lot. That's maybe not always the case for everybody. That just helped me a lot is to really kind of analyze where that was all coming from. And, 
and so when I started to recognize where it was coming from, I could start to heal and, and to also change my mindset about those things. And also just from my own personal journey, recognizing that there is no such thing for perfect for other people either. Nobody out there is perfect. There is, there are zero people out there that are perfect. And so we're all chasing an illusion. We're all chasing a subjective, like opinion about what perfection is. So even if I was chasing my idea of perfection and I just absolutely drove myself into my grave chasing perfection, it would never be somebody else's perfection. They may never think I was perfect. So I could like kill myself over being trying to be perfect and I would still not be perfect. And that just that realization was such a point of relief for me because well at first actually it was a little bit of a source of um I don't even know like it kind of a uh, a let down like a like first it was kind of this overwhelming like it took me to the point of like shoot I could do this to my maximum level and it would never be enough and so that was kind of emotional and just like a struggle for me at first, but then almost immediately was like, then what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Why am I trying to be perfect? Like, why does this even matter that like, why, why am I killing myself over being perfect? I'm never going to be perfect for everybody or even myself. Like I'm never gonna be perfect for myself. I'm never gonna be perfect for everybody else, anybody else. So what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? This is not reinforcing and it's just seeking relief that can never happen. So if we look at it from uh, operant conditioning <laughs> viewpoint, we've got negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement and positive punishment, and negative punishment. So real quick recap, negative reinforcement is, um, there is a pressure, an aversive pressure, or even it doesn't even have to feel necessarily aversive, but it is a pressure that we are trying to find relief from. And then the relief from that pressure, the release of it, the removal of it is the reinforcer. So it reinforces the behavior that happened that caused the relief of the pressure. So when your horse pulls against the lead rope, and you hold a steady pressure and then they, they, you know, they try and step to the left. Nope. That didn't release the pressure. They step to the right. Nope. That didn't release the pressure. They step backwards. Nope. That definitely didn't release the pressure. And then they take a little step forward and you release and you, and you give them the lead rope back. And so there's slack on the lead rope and they're like, oh, okay. Stepping forward finds release from the pressure. That's negative reinforcement. Positive reinforcement is when you are performing or doing something to receive a reinforcer uh, seeking out a reinforcer. So when we, um, have like, when we have a sweet, like a, we're like, Oh, okay. I feel like a cookie and I know I have a cookie in the pantry. I'll just get up. So you're, you're performing behavior, getting up, you're walking over to the pantry, you're opening the pantry door, you grab the box of cookies, you open up the box of cookies and all of those behaviors, you did a chain of behaviors that resulted in a positive reinforcer, something that tasted good, felt good, that, that all of that, um, and we could dive into these a little bit deeper, but I've done that so many times. So you can find more information about that on my website. Um, and there's a lot more information on that. And then positive punishment, you're applying an, an aversive to decrease the likelihood of a behavior. So you are 
let's say that you reach for the box of cookies and your mom slaps your hand. So that's something that was unpleasant that happened as a result of doing a behavior. You reaching for the box of cookies resulted in a slap on your hand. So you were less likely to reach for the box of cookies in the future because it results in something unpleasant. Then we have negative punishment, which is the removal of something that you wanted or needed or found pleasant as a punisher. So one of the best examples I have of this is kids are playing with a toy. They start fighting over it. Mom walks in and takes the toy away. If you guys are going to fight over it, I'm just going to take it away. Both kids experience negative punishment most likely because the reinforcer, the toy, the thing that they wanted to play with was removed as a punisher uh, for their behavior, for them fighting over it. So if we think of this, we think of operant conditioning, operant conditioning land, um, we can actually think of what I was just explaining about chasing that perfectionism. And um, it's it's like we are trying, oh, okay, so that scenario where I was saying that I just the realization that I could never be perfect, that I could never find perfection, that nobody would ever think I was perfect. Like there will literally be nobody out there that thinks I'm perfect. Uh, and, and even if they say they do, they can't think that forever because there will be stuff that I do that makes them like, okay, I, I probably would have done that differently or whatever. Instantly, not perfect, right? So I can't be perfect. Nobody will think I'm perfect. I'm never going to be perfect and I can't be perfect for everybody. So realizing that, realizing that it's never, it's not going to be about perfection, like taking that off the plate, like this is not an option was such a relief, like a relief from pressure for me. It was like I had this aversive pressure on me from when I was very young for whatever reason, where I was like, I had to, I needed perfection. I had to be perfect. I had to be everything for everybody. I had to be the best I could be. I had to be the best trainer I could be. I had to be the best artist I could be. I had to be the best mom I could be, whatever it was. Realizing that I can't be those things at first was a little like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that's like such an emotional realization. But then it was a relief because I was like, okay, like that's not even, it's not, it just doesn't exist. It's, it's not going to happen. And so it was a relief from that pressure for me. So, but then if you, that can send you in a little bit of a downward spiral as far as like feeling depressed or like, you, like, well, why am I even trying if I can't, you know, whatever. So then I think then the replacement for that, at least for me, and I hope this podcast episode was helpful for a lot of you whether it applies to your everyday life, whether it applies to your training, whatever it is. Um, I tend to think that these things correlate. It, progress can take the place of perfection. Seeking progress, seeking learning, seeking doing better tomorrow, seeking finding the little things that you did better today and reinforcing yourselves for those. So when I look at those training videos where I'm like, oh, that was just not a great training session. I can look at those training sessions and say, well, you know what? It was still better than my terrible training session last week. I didn't get upset with the horse. I clicked more often. So my rate of reinforcement was higher. I recognized that it was going downhill faster. And so I ended the session sooner. So there was all these things, these pro this progress was, uh, that I was making. So I'm happy with that. I can be happy with myself and content and confident 
in my training and in my skill set and in in my life and all of that if I am making progress and for me that has helped and I hope that helps you and you can apply this in your training you can apply this in your relationships with other people you can apply this in how you're interacting with um, people on social media you can apply this with your diet you can apply this with everything so um, hopefully this was helpful, and um, I would love to hear from you guys if it was. Uh, some of these episodes that I do are a little bit more vulnerable. <laughs> They're a little bit more from the heart um, and talking about personal experiences and, and exposing some of my insecurities and stuff too. So it is really reinforcing for me when I know that it is helping you guys and because I'm kind of just talking into a void when I talk into the podcast. Uh, I feel... It's funny because I feel like I'm talking to people, like I, or I know I am, but I feel, it feels like a personal conversation and I don't really know why that is. Um, but sometimes it, it feels, I think it feels that way because I do tend, I do get some feedback from episodes and people tell me how much it helped them or whatever it was, or they have questions, or I've even had people be like, well, I don't really agree with that or not. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, but when I get that feedback, it helps make this more of a personal experience for me and it helps make me feel like I'm connecting with you guys. So just encouraging you to reach out if you feel so inclined, but don't feel obligated. And, um, that's reinforcing for me and, uh, makes this more of a personal experience and, uh, encourages me to do more of these. And yeah, so I will see you in the next episode or talk to you in the next episode, I guess I should say. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more, head to my website, thewillingequine.com. On there, I have a really extensive blog. I'm a very prolific writer. And I also have a an FAQ page. And the FAQ has all kinds of things. It has questions and answers about training and about my training specifically, as well as just general about working with positive reinforcement. There's also sections on there about health and um, behavior. So all of that. I'm also on a lot of different social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. So check those out. And I'd love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to email or send me a message.